right. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Hallelujah. It got quiet in here. I was afraid everybody was going to get sleepy on me. Hallelujah. Um, if you would turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter three, Colossians chapter three, verse 17. Glad to see everybody this morning. How many are ready for Thanksgiving week? Hallelujah. And, and that collective sigh maybe is what I'm preaching about this morning. Hallelujah. Uh, how many believe it's important to prepare yourself for, uh, the holidays with your family? Sometimes it's the only time, um, you get to see them and spend time with them during the year and, and it's a special time, but it's also, um, especially stressful at times. And so God wants us to, um, prepare our hearts because, uh, regardless of how we look at it, it's an important time. Because it's a time to minister to one another, and it's a time to really reach uh, the ones we care the most about that are sometimes the most difficult to relate with. How many can say amen to that? Hallelujah. And uh, one thing we want to especially focus on uh, during this time of the year is um, giving thanks to God. You know, that's something as Christians we should be good at all throughout the year. But uh, this is a special time of the year that we've set aside uh, to give thanks specifically to God. And some of you look really confused. You're saying, well, wait a minute, I thought we were supposed to eat turkey. Amen, hallelujah. How many know it's giving thanks to God properly as a nation? And that's why we've ordained that day to celebrate giving thanks to God. Hallelujah. And we can't lose sight of that. Hallelujah. In Colossians chapter 3 verse 17, it says, And whatever you do, hallelujah, say that to yourself, whatever you do, that's a lot. Whatever I do, whether in word or deed, that means actions, Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray Your anointing would be upon this message, Lord. Lord, we pray that You would examine our hearts, Lord God. Give us eyes, Lord, um, to have an awareness, Lord God, of our lives and our actions and our deeds, Lord. Lord, I pray that... um, Lord, you would work through us through your spirit, Lord God, to um, help us, Lord God, in whatever we do and whatever we say, Lord God, to give glory to you in everything we do, Lord. And I just pray that you would help us in that endeavor, Lord God, as we seek to glorify you, Lord. Change us and help us and be a part of everything we do, Lord. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. How many here truly want... To live out that scripture, um, whatever we do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And um, if that's the goal of your life, uh, when we come to church, um, let's just pray to God that He would um, just help us. You know, the most difficult thing, the Bible says the heart is deceitful um, above all things. And one of the most difficult things to do is to examine our own heart and actually be honest about what we see. And uh, some of you are looking at me like, man, Chad, it's beautiful. 
I got such a beautiful heart. And God just shines down upon me and, and, uh, He just, it's almost like the Jordan River. And then the sky opens and says, this is my son and who I am well pleased. And how many know it's difficult sometimes to just be honest about those things that come out of us that aren't really fulfilling that scripture? Like everything we do, we want to glorify God. And um, there are certain things that I think, uh, just as human beings, are difficult to examine. But I think there are also things that are culturally difficult to examine. And as I look at this, Colossians um, is, is an especially... Um, thankful book. In Colossians 1.3, this is Colossians 3.17 I just read, but Colossians 1.3, Paul says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Colossians 2.7, the next chapter, we're rooted up and built in Him, rooted up and built in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and we're overflowing with thankfulness. You know, that's two in a row there for Paul. Chapter 3, we just read, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then Colossians 4, 2, the very next chapter, Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So this theme of thankfulness is something that goes all the way through Colossians. And Paul is really stressing that we uh, should have that thankfulness. Now, when we think of thankfulness, sometimes our attention is diverted and we think about turkey. So a word that I prefer to use today, just so we don't confuse the terminology here, is the word grateful. Because grateful is another word for thankfulness. And so the title of my message today is Building a Grateful Heart. And I want you to pray this morning that God would help us examine our hearts and figure out, are we grateful people? And, um, you know, that's something we have to build, I believe, is a grateful heart. Now, the holiday of Thanksgiving, we always go back in our history books for this national holiday. And uh, I think it was 1621, maybe somewhere around that time, early 1600s, uh, the pilgrims, celebrated the first Thanksgiving um, in our in our on this land. And it was said, if my memory serves me correct here, that they took the voyage and it was a very blessed voyage because only one person died. Now a lot of us would think if we were going to our Thanksgiving meal, you know, and only one person died on the trip up, that would probably wasn't the best. voyage. But in those days, it was a very great blessing not to lose a lot of the people that made that voyage. And so the first year they got here, it was a very difficult and a very harsh year. And they lost somewhere around 50% of the people died because it was so harsh. And over the course of time, they planted crops and they had a bountiful harvest that first year. And so they were so overwhelmingly blessed that God had given them a harvest that they and 50 Indians, they say, that were there helping them, Native Americans that were uh, there helping them plant crops and being a part of what they were doing, they all celebrated together and thanked God. And so 200 years later, Abraham Lincoln said, this would be a great day for a national holiday. Our whole nation should thank God for the blessings. But here's what I want to talk about today. I want you to think about how vastly different 
their hearts were compared to ours. You know, when you come to a country for religious freedom, which is what they were there for, to be able to serve God, and they, they picked up everything to move over here, and they were really concerned that they were all going to die. And they were concerned they wouldn't have food. And they were concerned that, you know, they, they really needed God's blessing. And so when you really need God's blessing, you really humble yourself. And so there was a nation there where they were truly, I mean, I can just see them watching the seeds. They were like, oh boy, it popped up. <laughs> you know, it's probably a little nerve-wracking waiting for those seeds to pop up. And then you're so thankful that people are there to help you. And like, man, they know the land. They know the, where the water's at. They, they know some things that we don't know about growing things. And, and uh, there's something about gratefulness when you lack. When you don't have enough and when you really struggle and you, how many know, how many have ever struggled like in, like had times in your life where, you know, you know you struggle and you wonder yourself, have other people ever struggled like this? And we live in a nation that hasn't had a lot of that. You know, there's enemies to having a grateful heart. There's enemy, enemies to gratefulness and thankfulness. And sometimes the enemy is the blessing. Sometimes when you have everything, just hit me here. Sometimes when you have everything, I'm going to move that, I'm going to knock it over. How many know when every time you open the cabinet there's food, then it's hard to be grateful. You know, every time you go to church on Sunday, there's one on every corner. Then you start saying, you know what? You start picking it apart. You start saying, well, man, you know, that's not how I like the music done. You know, that guy that preaches wears the same thing every week. That bothers me. <laughs> right? I mean, but you know, if you're in other countries where you can't worship... And you look at the early church and they were hiding in caves. You know, some of these props, they were hiding to worship. You know, the songs that they sang were out of tune and they were a cappella. And they were somebody that probably didn't have a very nice voice, but they wept and they cried and they were so thankful that they could worship God and they could worship Him freely. And they could just, and they just were hungry for that fellowship and that worship. But we say, man, that worship's got to be a certain way. Those musicians have to be a certain way. That guy has to preach a certain way. And we don't have grateful hearts. Uh, we don't, can I tell you something? And I know this is politically incorrect, but I'm pretty good at that. So here goes. A lot of our people that are homeless don't have grateful hearts. You say, how dare you say that? I was outside, bought a sleeping bag, somebody it was cold that night midnight there's not very many places to buy sleeping bags at midnight there's one place or probably 11 o'clock one place I rushed to get it get there we have cameras around the building and I watched that homeless guy slam that sleeping bag on the ground saying it's junk it's not the one I want it's not the brand I like and I'm sure I'm not labeling the whole community 
I know another guy that we helped recently. I'm just telling you stories. I'm not saying everybody's like this, but I'm just saying if our poorest of our poor are entitled, how entitled are we? That's all I'm saying. We had another guy we try to give food to, and he's nearly homeless and probably is on the, always on the verge of homelessness. And Eddie will back me up on this. We try to give him food, and he says, oh, I have plenty of food. I just don't like the food they give me. He didn't like the brands of the food they were giving him. And he didn't like the fact it didn't have certain kinds of meats in it that he liked. And you know, to another story. I was out in the middle of the woods in a very remote area in the backwaters where nobody's ever at. And I crawled into a homeless man's shelter and it was, I was, I was impressed. I mean, he had things all wound around the tree and had a living room, a kitchen. You know, he'd set up a whole, had car batteries powering the whole thing. And so I crawled in there and we sat and talked for a while. And his name was Caveman, they called him because of his appearance. He was Caveman. And I sat there for several hours and, you know, sometimes you get in a situation like that and you think, man, he's going to enlighten me. He's going to give me some things I haven't heard before. And as I sat down, he said, uh, he said, can you see over there through that woods? He said, do you see that guy that lives over there? And there's only other homeless guy in the remote area of the woods that nobody knew about. And for the next three hours, he told me how bad he was. How he doesn't clean his place up. How he leaves things laying around. How much better his place was than the other guy's place. Finally, I had to get out of there because I couldn't stand anymore the complaining. I told him, I said, man, is that all you do is complain? (laughs) But how many know, even our poorest of our poor, sometimes, I'm not saying all the time, I'm saying sometimes are entitled. And then here I am, trying to preach a message about building a grateful heart. And so I'm up against it already. And so as I start to read, I start to read uh, just things about being thankful. And and you know, one thing I, I really start getting a lot of is this culture that we live in is so ungrateful and so... um Entitled and, and, and you know what name pops up every time when it says entitled? Millennial. That name pops up and you say, oh no, here we go. He's going. But see, I don't totally agree with it. Because everything says, man, what a terrible generation. They're entitled. They've got all these characteristics and I'll read them in a minute. But here's the thing is they are that way because of our culture, which we all share. Guess who raised the millennials? (laughs) Okay? And so it's not just the millennials that are that way. It affects all of us. We all, in a lot of ways, are entitled and have an ungrateful heart. And I think it's a very important thing to just examine our heart for a minute. And say, God, change me. God, help me. I don't want to be an entitled person. I don't want to be a person with an ungrateful heart. I don't want to be a person um, that has those attributes. Listen to the attributes they give to the millennial generation. Lazy, entitled, narcissistic, 
addicted to their phones, cannot go five minutes without checking social media, will not commit to anything, live off of their parents, and they want to prolong their adolescence. And you say, yeah, you talk about the millennials, but can I tell you, I'm a pastor. <laughs> this is our culture, church. This is our culture. We and, they, and, and you go on and you begin to read, well, what is the thing that they believe made the millennial generation that way? And they really go back to the fact that this particular generation was always given everything. You know, they say, well, they were given everything. They were never allowed to not win at anything. They were pampered. They were uh, constantly affirmed. They were uh, constantly catered to. And it produced a generation that is like that. And church, can I tell you as a pastor, I see this all the time. I mean, I see it to the point where you, you have churches full of people that you're changing their pampers all the time. People that have been in church for a long, long time are going from one place to the next looking for affirmation, looking for somebody to tell them that they're doing well and maybe they're not even trying. You know, trying to get a participation trophy when they didn't put the effort in. You know, am I preaching here? Am I telling the truth here? All right, maybe sometimes when you don't get the amens, maybe. That's what that that's a good message, you know. And so if you're a pastor and they've been used to a pastor putting their pacifier in and I'm going to let you cry and not put your pacifier in, then you're all of a sudden a bad guy. I'll go find a pastor that'll do it for me. Hello. <laughs> and we built a church, see, we're on the shoulders of giants. We're on the shoulders of disciples that walked unto their death. I mean, they gave everything. They walked through everything. They gave their own lives. They didn't care for their own lives. They pushed through everything. Trials, tribulations, they were tough men and women of God. And I'm telling you, we got a generation, we're going to have to toughen up. We're going to have to find a way to get through some difficult things and still follow God. You know, we go through a little bit and we stop and we say, Pastor, affirm me because I've went through something. And, and a lot of times when they're saying, put my pacifier back in, I'm saying, you're not going to make it. If you don't toughen up, you're not going to make it. If you don't set your face, you know, to the, to the, like a piece of flint and say, I'm going through this no matter what with my faith and I'm going to reach people with the gospel. And, 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 and church, we got a whole building full of people that it has to be perfect. I mean, it has to be perfect. The worship has to be perfect. Pastor has to be perfect. You have to say all the right things. And God's saying, grow up church. We can't be entitled. We can't live in the spiritual basement our whole life. It's time to grow up and walk through some things, do some things for God, and have a grateful heart no matter what happens in your life. I'm going to praise God through everything. And church, we can't do what God's called us to do if we don't have that kind of mindset. And it all goes back to this grateful heart thing. And so I want to look for a minute at some of the things. First of all, I want to talk a little bit about what gratitude is. 
Um, gratitude is not something we automatically have. How, how many have ever had somebody to pour into their life? You know, and, and you've done it. And this is really a kind of a part of this generation. You can pour into them. And we think, man, if my mom and dad treated me that way, I would have been so grateful. <laughs> How many have ever thought of that? But this generation, it's one of the earmarks. And I don't want to pick on this generation because the generation was raised by us. So we're more to blame than almost anybody. But gratefulness is not something that's natural, church. And so what am I saying spiritually? I'm saying God can do a lot of things in your life. I mean, He can do a ton of things in your life. And we, because we're entitled, are ungrateful. We just don't ever thank God for all the things He's done in our life. All we do is complain to God. Does anybody remember any generation in the Bible that all they did was complain and murmur? And what was God's reaction? He didn't look very favorably upon it. In fact, He warned many times, don't be like that generation. Don't grumble, don't complain. And He really wanted them to have a heart of gratefulness. And the thing about grateful, gratefulness, and one of the things I really want to stress this morning, is it's an act of obedience. It is a command, and it's an act of obedience. And so this is where it requires me, requires you all, to say, what does my heart look like? Like, am I a thankful person? When Paul says several different occasions, you know, and then our text this morning, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, we can do that. Giving thanks to the God the Father through Him. And so this thankful attitude is just everywhere in the Bible and God commands it. God commands us to be grateful. God commands us to be thankful. And, and you say, well, Chad, how are we not doing that? And you know, sometimes, and, and Ryan probably would never say this, but I will. When we come into worship, sometimes gratefulness is the last thing on our mind. Isn't it right? Have you ever went, have you ever been in worship and then not been around it for a long time? Or maybe been somewhere where it didn't seem like they were really worshiping and then you got in there and you worship music came on and you're like, man, I miss this. I miss worshiping with people. Church, can I tell you, a grateful heart, it doesn't matter where you're worshiping. It really doesn't. It doesn't matter what, who's doing it. It doesn't matter who's singing it. It don't matter who's playing it. If you've got a grateful heart, man, I, I, I've been in some of the weirdest churches, small churches, you know, churches in the middle of nowhere. And man, when that worship music comes on, I don't care who it is, what they're doing. I just, man, I get lost. I'm like so grateful that we're worshiping God together. And I don't care how they sing it, what style it is. I don't care what kind of music it is. I just want grateful to God. I want to worship Him. And church, that's where He wants us at. He wants us coming into the house, not looking at everything and critiquing everything. And He wants us coming in the house saying, God, I can't wait to worship You. You're worthy. You're great. I'm thankful for everything. It's really a reflection of how thankful we are. 
Like if we're not thankful for the things in our life, we really don't worship. And so it's a, it's a sign of ungratefulness if we're not have a heart to worship God and we're critical, you know, of that kind of thing. Uh, the next thing that's really important. Did you know that gratitude is what draws us close to God? The Bible says that Scripture, or the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of His people, Psalm 22, 3. It says, enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. How many know that God inhabits the praises of His people? And so we don't really understand that. You say, well, man, I come into his house with praise. I come into his house with worship. But you still can't get in. What do you mean I can't get in? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. That means you have to stop at the gate if you don't have thanksgiving. Let me know that. Thanksgiving is a big part of it. If I'm not coming in with thanksgiving then I, I can't even enter. In fact, uh, God gave a whole series of, um, God gave a whole series of, um, things in the tabernacle that we're supposed to do. In fact, we're supposed to have offerings of, um, praise, offers of worship, and offers of thanksgiving. And that's how we enter into the Holy of Holies. And what it was supposed to be is a picture of our praise. And so if we don't come into his house with thanksgiving, that's part of the pattern of how we enter into his presence. And so you say, well, how is God's presence not with me all day? It's because he inhabits the praises of his people. In fact, he will be with you if you're thankful and you show gratitude and you praise him. God will be with you all the day long. So when you actually have thanksgiving, God actually is close to you. And you say, well, wait a minute. How is it that God is not in my situation? Well, maybe he left you when you started complaining. Maybe he was, if he's not in your presence, he's left you. He's still there, but he's not in your presence. And in order to enter into his presence in the Old Testament, you have to, you have to have thanksgiving and praise. And so a lot of times you're going through things in life and you're complaining and you're murmuring and God is just not inhabiting that. God's not in your presence. God is not, uh, he feels far away. Even though he's not far away, he feels far away. And what God wants is he wants his people to thank him, to love him, to, to let him be a part of it. And I'll tell you another thing. I was reading this scripture and, and it really stood out to me. Listen to this. <clears throat> Philippians 4 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication let your requests be known to God. Do you guys know I didn't read that scripture right? Let me read it again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. Prayer's not enough. You say, prayer's enough. No, it says, 
Let your requests be, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. And we love this next one. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart. You say, well, Chad, I've been praying about it. I've heard people say this to me. I've been praying about my money. I've been praying about the relationship. I've been praying about my job. I've been praying about my situation. Right? Prayer's not enough. It says prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. That's part of that whole pattern you set in the Old Testament. Thanksgiving has to be with it. Why? Because if we don't have Thanksgiving, it's just a complaining session. And we're wondering why we don't have the peace of God with us. Because God said the prayer and supplication has to come with thanksgiving, with it. And God will team prayer up with gratitude and God will give you peace. But if we don't have the thanksgiving with it, then we are lacking the peace of God that passes all understanding. Hallelujah. So how do we begin to grow in our thanksgiving? And I think that's what we want to do, right? Everybody wants to grow in a grateful heart and have a grateful heart. And I may appreciate people who are really grateful people. I mean, just grateful about everything and just positive, not negative. You know, not complaining, but optimistic. And so that's what God wants us to do. He wants His promises to just flow off of our lips. He wants us to be optimistic people. He wants us to be people that go into His presence with prayer and thanksgiving and just saying, God, thank you. I know you're going to come through in this situation. How many of you like to pray with optimistic people? <laughs> and that's what God wants. He wants that to be our attitude when we're in prayer is thanksgiving. God, you're going to change this situation. God, I'm claiming your promises. God, it looks bad right now, but you're going to be in the middle of this storm. God, you're going to do this. God, you're going to do that. He's a God that can do, but when we don't have thanksgiving with our prayer, it turns into a very pessimistic God. How many know that? That thanksgiving and that optimism and that God, you did it before and you'll do it again. That has to be mixed with those prayers. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, I'm preaching myself pretty happy. So how do we develop gratitude? How do we get rid of that, uh, that whole, um, got my word now. Entitlement. So how can you be thankful for something if you feel like you deserve it already? You feel like, well, God, of course God's going to give that to me. Obviously, I deserve it. Obviously, I've been told since I was little that I'm a special little guy, and that's what I get, right? How do we build, how do we get rid of that sense of entitlement? All right? Some of you, that's even offensive that I said that, right? Right? I mean, I... I'm going to tell you something. <clears throat> I was just talked to my son about this yesterday. I train him in sports. And I taught my boys how to play sports. And one thing I always told him was, you're not special. He said, that's terrible, Chad. That's awful. Why would you tell him he's not special? Because it's the truth. When you play sports, the one that works the hardest does the best. There's nothing special about my kids. There's nothing special about my kids when it comes to sports. It's whoever works the hardest does the best. How many agree with that? That's called merit. 
This country was a meritocracy at one time. You say, yeah, he's special in other ways. He's my son and I love him. My kids, I love all of them. I love them. But when it comes to sports, there's nothing special there. You work harder, you do better. If you don't work harder, you don't do as well. Guess what our country does, though? country says you're special and you don't even have to work. And so there's one we were talking about. His dad was the opposite. He always told him, you're a major leaguer. You're really good. You know, you're the best. And, you know, never worked. You know, never lifted weights, never worked hard, but believed in his mind that he was the greatest player ever. Whereas my kids always believed that there was nothing particularly special, but we're just going to outwork everybody. And that's what I'm trying to say, church. We don't apply the biblical scriptures and we don't uh, go in and take those promises and move with those promises. We just believe we're special and good things are going to happen and everything's going to fall into place. And what God is saying, no, these promises are in Christ Jesus. If you trust Him and grab a hold of the promises, God will bless your life. But the spirit of entitlement says, I don't have to do anything. It's just going to magically fall in my lap. See, it's hard to even minister this message. I'm watching eyeballs. Church, we've got to get rid of the sense of entitlement. And we've got to base our life on the truth of God's Word. And God wants us to have a grateful heart. So how do we do it? Exercise. Say, Chad, I want to be good at sports. Well, you're going to have to get off the couch and quit eating Twinkies then. That's just a fact. I'm not trying to be mean. It's just if you're telling me you want to be good at sports, then you're going to have to lift weights because the next guy is going to lift weights. And he's going to be much better than you. So how do you get a grateful heart? By exercising. You'll never be a grateful person if every day you don't exercise that muscle of gratefulness. That means that every day... I should be thankful to God for something. You say, well, Chad, won't I just naturally get that? Aren't I entitled to be a great person with a grateful heart? No, you've got to actually work at it. You got, well, we're Americans. We're more grateful than all the other countries. I'm pretty sure. You got to work. That's why Paul's commanding you to do it because it's not an automatic thing. It's something you have to work at. Let me give you one good way we can start. Pray for your food. It says Jesus, before He broke the bread, thanked God for it. If Jesus is thanking God for providing the bread, then I better thank Him too. How many of you know just sitting in public, bowing your head in front of a restaurant where nobody else cares about God, and just saying, God, I am grateful for this. You provided this for me. I bless you. Thank you for what you did. That's gratitude. You say, well, I don't have to do that. Why do I have to do that? That's embarrassing. Everybody's going to be watching me because this is spiritual muscle. This is how you separate yourself as a person who appreciates God because God's looking down on us. He's saying, are they grateful or are they not? And he's looking at you saying, well, all these people are watching me. Who cares who's watching? I don't care who's watching. Bow your head and say, Lord, thank you. You provided this for me. Amen. Do it even more so when people are around you. Because you're exercising humbleness, humility, spiritual muscle, something as Americans we don't always have. There he goes, cutting down America. 
We're entitled nation. I'm just, I'm sorry. If I'm going to be a preacher of righteousness, I got to expose it. We raised an entitled generation because we ourselves are very entitled. We didn't come to this land like the pilgrims did. Pilgrims had nothing. They had to plan everything. They had to clear wilderness. You know, they had to, you know, they, 50% of them died and they came to God with a grateful heart. We don't. And I'm trying to say this is how we take it back. This is how we take our nation back. This is how we take our families back. This is how we get rid of the entitled behavior. You know, isn't it, like I said, I ain't being mean to the homeless community. I'm just saying, isn't it bad that even our poor are more entitled than you know, a lot of love the world is? Amazing. So the first thing you do is you exercise it. You get up in the morning. Get up in the morning, and if all you do is thank God, you say, well, i got a lot of things. I've got to air my grievances first to God. That's not coming to God with prayer and thankfulness. Come to God and just maybe start your day saying, hey, I thank you for my parents. I thank you for my kids. I thank you for all the people you put in my life. But Chad, you don't know what a rotten, low-down scoundrel they are. Well, you can pray that way if you want, but I'm saying pray with thanksgiving. Pray with thanksgiving and the peace of God will transcend everything. And so I can't have that peace unless I learn to pray with thankfulness. And so God, thank you for my mom and dad. Thank you for my church. Especially thank you for my pastor. (laughs) You guys don't look that thankful to me right now. But I love you. I love you. I'm speaking to my heart. You know, we've got to learn to build a grateful heart, so we've got to exercise that thankfulness muscle. You know, thank you, Lord. Paycheck. Wow. Maybe you ought to take your paycheck, put it right there, and thank God for it. You say, but i got a rotten job. i got a rotten employer. i got a rotten every... Well, maybe that's why you don't have the peace of God in your life. Because it's prayer with thanksgiving. So take that paycheck and say, thank you, God, I'm going to eat this week. Thank you, God, I have a home. Thank you, God, I have a wife. Thank you, God, I have kids. Thank you for my health, Lord. It's not the best health, but I'm still alive. I'm still above the ground. Hallelujah. How many know it changes everything when you start to thank God for things? Hallelujah. And the peace of God starts to come upon you and it changes your prayer life. Hallelujah. So one, one first thing you got to do to build a grateful heart is to build spiritual muscle by doing it every day. Next thing is to understand this important one. Gratitude doesn't change your experiences. It changes your perception. Doesn't change your experience. It changes your perception. Why? Because you have to choose to be obedient. You have to choose to be thankful. So you can go to the end of your day and you can be upset about everything that went wrong. Right? Or you can choose to be thankful to God for everything that went right. In that day, it changes their whole perception, changes your whole outlook. It takes you from being a pessimist to an optimist. In fact, you know that an optimistic person, a positive person, if you ever went into a courtroom and you ever seen witnesses of an accident, do you know that they're not always a uniform witness account? 
Everybody sees things from a different vantage point. Everything, everybody sees things from a different viewpoint. And a person who has a thankful heart, they almost always see every situation in an optimistic way. Whereas a person who has a negative mindset, they come out of everything in a negative way. And so I think this is why all through the Bible, God says, have a thankful heart. Have an optimistic heart. Believe in God. Trust in God. The opposite of faith is not atheism. The opposite of of faith is unbelief. And so when we quit believing in the promises of God, when we quit speaking the promises of God, when we quit speaking the blessings over our life, when we quit speaking blessings over other people, how many know we're speaking death unto people's lives? And God wants us to pray with thanksgiving and optimism and promises. And God wants us to have a different heart. Hallelujah. Number three. Gratitude takes time. I mean, no, any discipline is a lengthy process. You say, well, I'm going to be thankful for Thanksgiving. We're going to get this right. And so we sit at the table, we gorge, sit around the table, we say, God's a good God, I'm full. How about you guys? He's a good one. Good God. But how many know that these scriptures in Colossians weren't Thanksgiving scriptures for the holiday? God wants us to be thankful all the time. We read that scripture in Colossians. You know, in everything we do, in everything that we do, whether in words or in actions, do it for the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. What a challenge. Challenge to get up every day and for the long march of life. So you know what? I'm going to be a thankful person every day. And when we come home from work, how many wives would love to hear, I thank God for you today? How many would love to hear that? How many think that would heal a lot of marriages? I thank God for you today, and I genuinely mean that. I thank God for all the positive things that you do in my life. And women, you say, oh no, I knew you were going to turn this around. How many men's life would it change if the man came home and that's the first thing you heard, I thank God for you. All the good things you do for me and all the good things you do for this family. And what if we thanked our kids? Maybe they don't have gratitude because they haven't had those words poured into them. And thank them for what they mean to you. Hallelujah. You say, well, man, they uh, cause me a lot of stress. Hallelujah. Church, we're being called to a thankful life. We're, we're being called to a different life. We're, this is a long march. It's not a single holiday. It's not a single day. This is the life God's calling us to. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet this morning. Brother Ryan, hallelujah. Now we're going to get a chance this morning. I don't always get this chance. We're going to to put it into play. Hallelujah. We're going to do a redo of worship. How's that sound? How many can come to the Lord with a grateful heart? How many can truly come to God and just all the things you can possibly thank God for? Let me ask you this. If you have a hard time thanking God, see, he's already thanking his dad. I love it. There we go, right there. He just gave dad a kiss. Hallelujah. 
If you have trouble thanking God for the things in your life, think of it this way. What if I lost everything? What would be the thing I would miss the most? And maybe that's what you need to thank God for. (laughs) Hallelujah. You haven't lost everything. So if you lost everything, what would be the things that you would miss the most? And that's what you need to start with, thanking God. Hallelujah. So let's thank God. Let's just take a few moments before Thanksgiving. And let's uh, do Thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Can we do that this morning, church? Hallelujah. Let's thank God. discipline you know that's going to be a lot of pain and you know you can't take them you can't shield them from that you can't shield how difficult it will be on a football field or in a boxing ring or on a basketball court or a soccer field how many know you can't spare them that and so the point i'm trying to make spiritually is there's a battlefield out there and we have a culture that wants to continue to baby us and tell us how special we are obviously we're special christ died for us we're unique he loved us so much he came from heaven but if that's always the mentality of the american church we're never going to accomplish anything for the kingdom god knows he's got to send us out there god knows that the world he's singing us to it's a battlefield and so the church has to bring discipline into the equation and in church one of those disciplines is that grateful heart if we don't learn to cultivate it and we remain it's just a spirit that's in this nation of entitlement and i'm trying as much as i can trying to expose that spirit of entitlement you know we need christians to dig in and, and discipline themselves and find these characteristics that god wants us to have and begin to cultivate them and i preach messages like this not because i'm angry not because i don't love the homeless i mean no i love the homeless but i'm just saying that even if it's that the spirit of entitlement was even to that level how much more is it with us and so church we've got to just really examine our hearts and come in this house with a grateful heart and 
not a critical spirit and not a, you know, we just got to come in with that grateful heart, go into the holidays with a grateful heart, you know, mix Thanksgiving with our prayers. And so that's my prayer today, that we would just begin to cultivate that grateful heart that God wants us to have toward Him and, uh, and not be murmuring, not be murmuring. Hallelujah. Can we do that, church? Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Lord, I just pray that you would um, strengthen your church, Lord God. Lord, you've raised us up in a difficult time, Lord. Lord, a world right now, Lord God, that is uh, wicked, Lord God, and there's a lot of darkness around us, Lord. And uh, you've given us a call, Lord God, to invade that darkness, Lord God, with your power and your presence, Lord. Oh, Lord, we follow the example, Lord God, of those that went before us, Lord. Father, I pray that you would begin to uh, strengthen our hearts, prepare us for the task, Lord God, to a mighty work in your church, Lord. Oh, Father, I just pray that you begin to move on hearts and do a mighty work in each person, Lord. Lord, I pray that you anoint them for their holidays, Lord, that's around their family. work. Let us be thankful, Lord, in everything we do. In your name we pray. Lord Jesus, hallelujah. Everybody said amen.